Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4 if you haven't done so yet. Mark chapter 4. We've been in a series called The Good News. If you'll remember way back in Mark chapter 1, Mark came and he said, I've got some good news to proclaim to you. And the good news is that Jesus Christ is here. And Jesus Christ has come and he has called his disciples and he is beginning uh, his earthly ministry. And if you'll remember last week, we looked at a parable. Uh, There's a good book. By Pastor John MacArthur, the title of the book is called Parables. And this is what Dr. James MacArthur says in his book. He says, the simple definition of a parable is this. A parable is an ingenuously simple word picture illuminating a profound spiritual lesson. He goes on to say, parables are not to be mined For layer upon layer of secret significance, their lessons are simple and focused. He goes on to say that not a single parable is recorded anywhere in the Gospel of John. He tells us that Mark only includes six of Jesus' parables, and one of those is predominantly in the book of Mark. And so we're going to see that most parables that Jesus uses are actually found in the books of Matthew and Luke. But I am thankful for the parables that we have in the book of Mark. And last week, uh, we looked at the parable of the sower, the sower sowing seeds uh, upon soil. And if you remember, we saw four types of soil. And, And the soil that mattered the most for us is the good soil. The good soil is where the seed is taken And the seed is accepted, and the seed bears much fruit. And so Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, and how the kingdom of God is growing in this world that he created. Uh, Last week I shared with you a quote from Dr. Henry Halley, and I want to share it with you one more time. Dr. Halley says, Understanding the meaning of parables requires a receptive heart, rather than a logical mind. So many times, we we read the Scriptures and we absorb it with our minds, but we miss it with our hearts. And I like what Dr. Halley says. Dr. Halley says that when you listen to the parables of Jesus, and he even goes on to say, when you read the Scriptures, it's more about what you're receiving with your heart than with your mind. And so... I believe we're going to see that in Scripture today. As we see Jesus, he continues to teach with parables. In verses 1 through 20, we saw the parable of the sower. And what we're going to see today is we're going to see three more parables that deal with the same topic. The parable of the sower was about the kingdom of God. Well, today, the parable of the lamp and the two parables that deal with seed, it's still about the kingdom of God. And, and what the kingdom of God is and how the kingdom of God grows in us and grows in our world. So I want us to begin in Mark chapter 4, verse 21. We're going to start with the parable of the lamp. Verse 21, he said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I love this parable. It's a parable that, that we sing songs about, right? You remember the song about the lamp, right? Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to what? I'm going to let it shine, <laughs> right? I remember that song from VBS. I remember that song from, from Sunday school, the teachers that used to teach us that song when, when we were kids. It's all about the light. And here's the truth. The lamp, right? The lamp in this parable represents the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. That's what the lamp is. It is the truth. It is the light of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so as Christ followers, as believers, those whose hearts are the good soil. The seed has been planted. The seed is beginning to grow. Listen, we are bearers of the truth that is Jesus Christ. We are bearers of the light that is Jesus Christ. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. Dr. David Jeremiah says, when the light of Jesus Christ is in us, we become reflectors of that light. I remember when I was a kid, I had a bicycle. And I would spend all my money in Walmart buying reflectors. And I would put those reflectors on my wheel. I thought those were the coolest things, especially when the light hit it, right? It would just shine and sparkle. So when I think about being a reflector of the light of Jesus Christ, that's what I think about. Letting that light shine, letting it sparkle in a dark, dark world. Do you know what Jesus says? He says this in his parallel account. Matthew five sixteen. if you're wondering where this parable is found, it's also in Matthew. Let me read it to you. In Matthew five sixteen. this is what Jesus says according to Matthew. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the truth about the light that has been placed in you that is Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's about Him. It's always about Him. It's always about Him. The light that you have inside of you, it's not to glorify yourself. It's not to glorify your good deeds and your good works. No, your good deeds, your good works, your life, it is to glorify God who created you, who breathed life in you. And so I love this parable because it's all about the light, the light that is Jesus Christ. It's all about the truth that is Jesus Christ. Jesus said the light is placed on what? A stand. You might also call that a lamp stand. Well, the lamp stand in this parable represents the believers of Jesus Christ. In many of the common homes, I did some research. So in many of the common homes during Jesus' time on earth, a lamp stand was actually located high up on the wall in the home. And the reason it was high up on the wall is so that it could give more light throughout the house, lighting up all of the corners and all of the dark places. And so as Christ followers, we are the lampstands placed in this world. God has placed us all throughout this world, and what is our responsibility as a lampstand? Our responsibility is to shine that light, to let that light shine 
throughout our homes, throughout our workplaces, throughout our schools, throughout our communities. He has placed his truth in us. He has placed his light in us. And light has a purpose. It's to shine. How, how many of you have ever, you've ever gone deer hunting early in the morning and, and you've taken your flashlight with you? And you know, I don't know about you, but I need my light. Uh, my eyes are getting worse and worse the older I get. And so I really need my light. Well, this past hunting season, I, I had my flashlight with me. And look, I was in the truck. I turned that light on to make sure it worked. You know, it was working good. So I got out of my truck, threw my gun on my shoulder, had my backpack on my other shoulder, and I'm walking. I can't see my stand. And I know that there's a lot of obstacles in the way. And so I'm, I'm just plodding along, got my light on, and guess what happened? My light went out. And I didn't have any spare batteries. I didn't have any spare batteries. I'm going to tell you something. It was hard to see where I was going without my light. I reached in my pocket and grabbed my phone, and, and those lights are pretty bright, but I'm going to tell you, they're bright from about here to there. They are not that bright from here to over there. It took me a little longer to find my deer stand that morning. And you know what I did? And when I got home, I put a spare flashlight in my glove box. I even put some spare batteries in my glove box. <laughs> I said, this is not going to happen again. Listen, what's the purpose of light? What's the purpose of light? Yeah, it's to shine, right? It's to shine. It's to show you who you are and where you're going. It's to show others, right? It's to show others the way. And that is what Jesus is. He is the light of the world. Jesus is the light who shines in the darkness, revealing truth, giving life. And that is how we are supposed to be in this world. We have the light of God who is Jesus Christ in us. We ought to be the lampstands placed high on the wall, shining light in a dark world in which we live in. Jesus goes on, and I shared a little bit of this with you last week from Matthew's perspective, but if you'll notice here in these verses, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear, and consider carefully what you hear. He says, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. And then he says, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken. Well, listen, here's what that means. Hearing with application leads to sufficiency. It leads to abundance. It leads to having not only what you need, but even more than what you need. Jesus says you will be given more understanding, more truth. You will be given truth in abundance when you apply, right? When you apply what he gives you. And so it's not just about hearing with your mind. It's about hearing with your what? Your heart. Why is that important? Because the Bible says everything you do flows from your what? Your heart. That's what the Bible says. That's not what Jeff says. That's what the Bible says. And so hearing with application leads to sufficiency. You will have what you need in abundance. Hearing with rejection, on the other hand, and this is what Jesus is talking about because the Pharisees are all around him and they're listening too. They're hearing too. But hearing with rejection leads to deficiency. Not sufficiency, but deficiency. Jesus says, even what they do have will be taken away from them. This is a lacking of understanding, a lacking of truth, a lack of light and life. I love Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans says this in his commentary. 
He says, to the degree that you welcome the word of God in your life, you will bear fruit. The more a believer accepts God's kingdom agenda, the more fruitfulness God will entrust to them and through them. But disobedience brings spiritual barrenness. Listen, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the teachers during Jesus' day, oh, they had it all up here. Oh, they could quote it. They could quote every scripture. They, they could tell you what you were doing wrong. They could tell you how to do something right. But here's the truth of the matter. They missed it with their hearts. And because they didn't embrace it and accept it in their hearts, even what they did have was taken away from them. That means understanding. That, that means the truth that they did have, it was taken away from them because they refused to embrace Jesus Christ. And so I love this parable, the parable about a lamp, uh, the parable about the light. And so we need to understand the light is Jesus Christ. And as believers... He has given himself to us and we are image bearers of God. We are lampstands that shine that light brightly. And I'm going to tell you something, mamas and daddies, it starts with you in your home to your children. I'm going to tell you, if you work and you've got employees and, and friends and people all around you, it's in your workplace too. Students, it's in the school. You are to shine your light in the classroom, on the ball field. Church members, we should be, we should be, listen, we should be like that, those bike tires when I was a kid. We should be sparkling and shining all up in this building. You ought to be bearing the image of Christ and reflecting the light of Christ everywhere you go. Home, work, school, church, community. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what Jesus teaches us in this parable. The lamp and the lampstand. The light of the world, Jesus Christ. He goes on and he tells us another parable, and this time it's about a seed. Listen to what he says in verse 26. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. I love this parable. And this parable, if you're wondering, this parable is only recorded in Mark's gospel. It is not in Matthew's gospel. It's not in Luke's gospel. It's only found right here in the book of Mark. But I'm going to tell you something. The theme does not change. The theme is the same. It's about the kingdom of God and how it is planted and how it grows in us and in our world. And so the seed, much like we saw last week in the parable of the sower, the seed represents the word of God. That is the seed. The seed is scattered by a man like us, believers in Jesus Christ. But here's what we need to remember. We need to remember a truth found in Mark 3.13. It says, Jesus called those he wanted. I'm going to tell you something. The power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to do anything for the kingdom to advance. You know what the truth is? 
Jesus wants me. And we see that in Mark chapter 3 when he called his disciples. It says he called to himself those he wanted. It doesn't say he needed them. It says he wanted them. God can do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, how he wants. Why? Because he's sovereign. You've heard me say that so many times. God doesn't need Jeff, but I thank God today that he wants me. Right? I have purpose in this life. It's not just to breathe in air. Right? It's not just to exist, it's to live. It's to live abundantly, live fully in this world and to live eternally. And he created me to glorify him. That, that's his will for me. It's to give him glory, it's to, to be in communion with him. It's to look more and more like Jesus every day. And so the power is in the seed. Listen, the seed has the power itself to produce fruit. That's what we see in this gospel, in this parable. The seed has the power to produce the fruit. Notice that the seed settles into the soil, and it's the seed that grounds and produces fruit, whether the man gets up or not, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed's going to do what the seed does. When it is in the receptive soil, when it is in the good soil, the seed is going to grow, and it is going to produce fruit. I love that. So that soil here is that good soil, that receptive heart that we talked about in the first parable, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. When God's Word is accepted into a believer's heart, it grows. And Jesus said, first, it becomes a stalk, and a stalk becomes a head, and then the head produces a kernel, and then the harvest comes. This passage reminds me so much of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I love that verse in Isaiah, especially when we're looking at this parable in the book of Mark. Dr. David Jeremiah says this. He says, human plans inevitably will fail and will falter, but the Lord's plans will not. The Lord's plans are different. When he promises forgiveness, when he promises restoration for his people, he will be true to his word. See, his word will not return void. That's what God says. It's not about the sower, it's about the seed. But I do love this because Paul says, hey, If God's called you to be a sower, be a sower. Do do what God created you to do and called you to do. As a matter of fact, don't you love what Paul tells young Timothy? I love the letters, 1 and 2 Timothy. Paul was a, a, a sower of the seed. He was a preacher of the word. Paul tells young Timothy this in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4. He says, preach the word. That's what he says to Timothy. Preach the word. Do you remember what Jesus said? When the disciples said, hey, hey, you got a lot of people out here waiting on you. You need to come out here and you need to touch them. You need to heal them. Do you remember what he said? He said, let's go somewhere else so that I can do what? Preach because that's what I'm here to do. Jesus said, I came to preach. I came to preach the good news. And that good news is this. Sin has separated you from God, but God loves you this much. He loves you so much, right, that he demonstrates his love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, 
Christ died for you. Jesus, he preaches the message of salvation. He says, repent of your sin, turn from it, and believe in me. Believe in the Son who came to live for you, die for you, and will raise up from the grave for you. For you. The, the message, right? The power is in the message. The power is in the Word. And Paul tells young Timothy, preach the Word. Why did he say that? Because Paul knew that if Timothy would let the Word loose, the Word would do what it was going to do. I've heard this said before. I've, 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 I've read it. I've talked to other preachers about it. You know, a lot of times when preachers are up here preaching and they're doing what they do, they want to hit the grand slam. That's what they want. They want the bases loaded. In other words, they want the, the pews filled, right? And they want to hit the fastball over the fence. They want to hit the grand slam. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes a single that gets the run across is just as important as the grand slam. You just do what you're called to do, right? Just do what you're called to do. Preach the word. Teach the word. Sow the seed and let the seed do what the seed does. And whether it's a grand slam or a single, whether it's a bunt, whether it's a sacrifice, and I'm using baseball terminology because it's baseball season. But the power, right? The power is not in me. The power is in the Word that is in me. And so we got to focus on the Word of God. And that's what the seed is. Jesus, He's not through teaching about the seed. Listen to what He says in verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Do you see that theme? As if we don't already see it, he tells us again, the theme is about the kingdom of God, what it is and what it can and what it will do. He says again, right, what shall we say about the kingdom of God, what it is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? Verse 31, it is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted... It, become, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. I, I think it's kind of funny. This week we were at the grocery store, and Marty and I ran in uh, to Misty Hatton, and, and Misty was looking for mustard seeds. And I said, good luck. I, I was looking for some too, and I couldn't find any. Uh, I was looking in a different section. I was looking in the garden section, right, where, you know, seeds that you plant and flowers, things like that. And she was looking for the kind you cook with and the kind you decorate with and all that good stuff. But here's what I told her. I said, you're going to have a hard time finding it because it's really small, all right? It's just really small. So here's what I want to do. You see this picture on the screen, right? Look, look up there in the top left corner. That's a mustard seed, okay? Now, I've been taught by others that there are different kinds of mustard seeds. They're all the same size, but there's different colors. For example, this is what is known as a black mustard seed, and it produces what is called a mustard shrub or tree. If you, if you buy the lighter colored mustard seeds, it's usually the plant right? The, the smaller plant. Uh, here's the thing. That little bitty seed, whether it's that big old plant or a shrub or it's that big old tree, that's incredible to me, right? How can something that small become something so large? In Palestine, the mustard seed 
was one of the smallest seeds that they had. And Jesus tells us that in the parable. Of course, they had the plants, they had the shrubs, they had the trees. I found this out, the mustard tree, right, that exists even in Jerusalem today. The mustard tree can grow over 12 feet tall. That's how tall it can be. And when it grows to be 10 to 12 feet, its branches actually will spread out twice as much. So you're talking about a tree that is 12 foot tall, but close to 20 to 25 feet wide. All from that little bitty seed. But what is Jesus telling us in this parable? Well, I'll tell you. The seed's beginning is small. But its growth will be large. The seed is small, but the growth will be large. Jesus, if you think about this, Jesus, when he came into this world, he came into this world as a little baby. Not only did he come into this world as a little baby, he came humbly. He came through the Virgin Mary. He was born in a lowly manger. Think about this. When Jesus called his disciples, who did he call? He called regular men, fishermen, carpenters, workers. And the Bible says that he was with them. He was loving on them. He was teaching them. He was enabling them. He was empowering them. And even at this time, right, it was Jesus and the 12 disciples. It was a small number. But boy, when you get into the book of Acts, what's happening? The church is growing. And the kingdom is growing. And so we see that even after Jesus died on the cross, And even after he rose from the grave, the kingdom of God continued to grow. And I'm going to tell you something. It continued to grow while man on this earth was trying to stomp it out. When Rome was trying to put an end to it. When the religious leaders were trying to put an end to the kingdom that Jesus Christ brought with him and was growing, it continued to grow. Nothing can stop the kingdom of God. Why? Because the power is in God. The power is in Jesus. The power is in the seed. The power is in the Word. I love this because Jesus, when He talked about how this mustard seed grew into this shrub, this this tree, if you will, He said many birds will perch on its branches. They will find rest, right, in the branches, in the shade. Many theologians believe that the word birds there means nations. It means the nations will come to be a part of this kingdom. As a matter of fact, John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the what? The world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, right? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mark tells us that Jesus continues to speak in parables. He he spoke in parables. For those who believed him and followed him, what did Jesus do? Mark tells us that he explained everything. Jesus explained everything. I I love another pastor, Dr. Daniel Aiken. Dr. Daniel Aiken says this, To those who draw close to Jesus, he explains things. It is only in close communion and connection to Jesus that we can have understanding. Did you hear that? It is only when we draw close to Jesus, only when we are connected to Jesus, only when we are in communion with Jesus that we can truly have understanding. I love that. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that's what all of these parables are about. Mark chapter 1, 
I mean, Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the parable of the sower. You keep on moving. The parable of the lamp and the lampstand. The parable of the seed being scattered right by the, by, the, by the farmer, by the sower, and even the mustard seed. All of these are about the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you, people ask me all the time, what, what does that mean? What does the kingdom of God mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. It starts with the very first word, king in kingdom. King in kingdom. That means there is a king. And I'm going to tell you something. It ain't you and it ain't me. And that's a problem that many people have right off the bat with the kingdom of God. You and I are not the kings of the kingdom. There is one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can't get past that, good luck. Good luck. Because I'm going to tell you, you'll never understand the kingdom of God until you understand the king. And that is Jesus Christ. Not you, not me, not anybody else. And so Jesus is very clear here. When you draw close to him, he will speak to you. He will give you what you need. He'll give you understanding. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you knowledge. He'll give you strength. He'll enable you to be who you were created to be in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about the king reigning. The king having authority and power and the king advancing his kingdom. And here's the truth. You and I as Christ followers, we are a part of that kingdom. We are ambassadors, right? You know what Paul says? We are ambassadors of God. We are God's special possession. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. That's what Peter tells us. That's who we are. And so in the kingdom of God, we are to let the light of God shine. And the light of God is Jesus Christ. We are to scatter the seed, right? We are to scatter the seed freely, generously. What is the seed? It's the word of God. That's who you and I are. And that's how we participate in the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you something. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. It's not just over there or out there or up there. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. That's why Jesus told him early on in the book of Mark, oh, the kingdom of God is near. Later on, you'll see in the Gospels, he says the kingdom of God is what? Here. And so we need to understand that. Another passage of Scripture that I, I thumbed to in my Bible this week, and it, I, I, was, I was done, but I, I flipped to my Bible and all I could think about was every tribe, every nation, right? Those birds, you know, on the branches of the mustard tree, resting, right? Resting in the shade, in the shadow of the Most High. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no, that no one could count. From what? Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I love the book of Revelation. Dr. David Jeremiah explains that this 
multitude of nations are those who have been saved during the tribulation. The 144,000 Jews go out and they preach the word. And the ones that are in this passage of scripture are the ones who are saved during that time of tribulation. And if you'll keep reading in that passage, they will join the church. They will join those who have already given their hearts and their lives to God, who have already been caught up with God. All of God's children, what are they doing? They are celebrating and they are worshiping together the King of kings and the Lord of lords and they will do it forever and ever and ever. Let me just tell you something. The kingdom of God will always be. And though it started small, guess what? It will be large. And that's what we see in these parables. But how does that impact and affect us today? How does that impact and affect us today? How do these parables that Jesus was teaching his disciples with, how do those parables impact Jeff Thomas today in Start, Louisiana? How does it impact you today wherever you are? I'm going to tell you, it should impact the way that you live. Right? The way that you live. The, the way that you communicate. The way that you move. The way that you touch. The way that you see. The way that you talk. The way that you hear. It, it ought to impact everything you say and everything you do. You, you ought to allow that light. You ought to embrace that light that is Jesus Christ in you. And you ought to let it shine. Like I said last week. Hopefully you got that pouch on like my Uncle James had with all those seeds in it, right? And you ought to be reaching in and handfuls of seeds just scattering that seed everywhere you go. Why? Because God's Word will not return void. When those seeds hit the good soil, it will produce fruit. And so as we, as we embrace the kingdom of God into our own hearts, we ought to be prepared to share the kingdom of God with anyone and everyone we come in contact with. Our homes, our workplace, our church, our community. Let me tell you what it is. It's the truth of God's word to his people and for his people. It's the light that shines in the darkness in our world. It's the seed, right, that brings forth fruit now and for eternity. It makes an eternal difference. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide it under a bushel. That's not what it's for. What is it for? It's to shine. Let your light shine before men. Why? So that others may see God and give Him what? Glory. Right? All the good things you do. All the good works you do. Does God need that? No, He doesn't need that, but that's what He wants. And that's what he wants for you, and that's what he wants for me. And so my prayer today is that I'm preaching to a lot of good soil. That's my prayer. I pray I'm preaching to a lot of good soil where that seed has already been planted, and that seed is already growing. That's my prayer. I pray that that seed is already growing in your life. But here's the thing. Let that seed continue to grow. And the way it continues to grow is you continue to look to God, lean on God, be faithful. Listen, study the word, pray, right? Let the Spirit of God lead and guide and direct. Don't, don't, don't choke the Spirit, right? Don't, don't do that. Let the power of the seed produce fruit that glorifies God in your house, right? Everywhere you go. That's my prayer, but here's the other 
the other prayer. If you happen to be one of those, and if you'll go back and look at Mark chapter 4, if you happen to be one of those other kinds of soul, right, the path, the, the, the stony ground or the, the thorny places, there's hope for you. There is. I believe the Spirit of God can stir your heart. I believe the Spirit of God can show you your sin, and I believe you can have the opportunity to turn from and repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that soil can be turned and churned, and it can be the good soil that embraces the seed. So all of us in this place today, anyone listening to my voice, God can and God will change your life. And God can and God will change your eternity. But it all comes through Jesus Christ. No one and nothing else. It all comes through Jesus Christ. So my question is this. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Have you embraced Jesus Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior? Or have you rejected Him? What have you done with Jesus?